Hi, everybody. Thanks for coming back to How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything. And Niha, new listeners, I'm Juleika Lantigua Williams. Today, I'm talking to Harold, whose predicament might seem very familiar to some of you five months into the COVID 19 pandemic. Harold has reshaped his routine to follow social distancing guidelines very strictly to protect himself, his wife, who's a doctor, and his infant son. His parents, not so much. And talking to them only seems to make matters worse. Let's get into it. My name is Harold. I'm in my early 40s and live in New York, Queens, New York. I'm from DR, born and raised. And uh, in my household, we call mom and dad, papi and mommy. That's always been the case, papi and mommy. Uh, because of the migration, my dad was here in the States and my mom raised me and my brothers back in DR. Uh, so we didn't see him for a while. So it took about seven years for us to be back together. The, the, I'm guessing that them managing that dynamic must have been a pain, you know, so I give them a lot of credit for keeping three boys in the Bronx and, you know, their parenting must have been a pain. And uh, I am I'm telling you because my brother and I are not easy. So, um, they really had like a grip on us. Like every single decision was like, had to be better by mom and dad. So there was one time that I remember one night when my dad said, even if I'm wrong, I'm right. That That's it. I mean, that's, I could sum up like 20 years right there. That's it. Don't you dare question what I'm saying. That's it. Now with the pandemic, at the beginning, at the early beginning, when everybody was freaking out in March, February, March, when this thing was coming and we were getting ready for it, my mom was the first one to say, I don't want any of you to visit me. I'm okay. I'm working from home. Uh, if you need anything, let me know. But like, I'm good. You don't have to come visit me. Because my wife is a medical professional. She's an ER doctor and she's exposed to COVID patients. Uh, in our case, like we shouldn't really be out and about anyway because she's exposed. So, but recently, like I've, I've, Notice that my mom and dad are a little bit more relaxed about this. And uh, I FaceTime with them constantly. And I see them at home with people visiting. Nobody's wearing wearing a mask. Oh, so-and-so is coming later. And I'm just getting worried. Like, why is so-and-so coming later? Like, why are you getting visitors? When I asked them about, like, why are people visiting, they don't say much. Because I think they acknowledge that they shouldn't be doing it. I've only visited once in the whole time. My, their grandson my, uh, is nine months old, so they wanted to see him. Visiting them was hard in the sense that, like, I told them, we're going to go visit, but everybody's going to wear a mask. And we were there in the, the, the backyard, and, like, it was super awkward. They're there, and, like, um, my son doesn't know them, and everybody's wearing a mask, and he's just looking at us like, what are we doing here? Eventually, he warmed up a little bit. My dad carried him, and he was somewhat normal but like it was just painful and then i i noticed that when a neighbor backyards are one next to the each other that my, my mom said to my the neighbor oh my, my my son is here so that's why i'm wearing a mask something and oh so you don't wear <laughs> like mom so you don't wear a mask that worried me i didn't make much of it but it all came to a head like a couple of weeks ago when i I called them and we were doing facetime and the mom told me oh yeah your cousin came to visit and he stayed over with his wife and his kid. And I asked him, mom, but like, you think that's okay? That's safe? And I, you know, I, I've been trying 
to think about this, how to have this conversation, because this has been building up for a while now. So like I've been planning it out in my head how to tell them like, maybe you guys shouldn't be doing this. And then she tells me that, oh, but they had COVID already and they're negative and they got tested two weeks ago. And I'm just thinking to myself, but do you know they can get it again, right? And at that point, yeah, I saw that on the news, but you know, like uh, we have to live. So that went like that, it just ended like, so I figured, you know, let me call my brothers and talk to them about this. And <laughs> then they tell me, oh yeah, we go visit all the time. I have to see mommy and papi. You have to, I have to see them. So that became an argument. And then, well, you feel that strongly about this call. Let's bring that into the call. And that got ugly. I have never seen my dad so mad because like, how dare you tell me this again? Uh, you told me already about it. How you want me to kneel and promise you that I'm not going to do this? What do you want from me? Like, I'm your dad. You have to remember I'm your dad. Like, you already told me this. It was like, I, it went horribly. Like, I tried. And then like, I just kept reflecting on it. I was thinking like, you know what? They're going to get sick. Because they're going to get sick. That's it. I have to like prepare for that now, you know? I have thought about the fact that they're not ready to deal with their mortality and like, I really have come to the conclusion that they're in denial. I really don't know what other logical explanation there is to this. It's just like, they want to have people over. It's the summertime. And you know, like a lot of people are doing this. They're not the only ones, but these are the only people I'm dealing with that I really, you know, have to worry for, you know. I'm really mad at the fact that I'm have to worry about them getting sick because they're not being careful, you know. It keeps me up at night sometimes. It really does. It. It, there's no other words. It's just upsetting. It's just disappointing. It's just, I, 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 and I don't know how to deal with this. I just don't. Harold talking about his fears for his parents' health and his sense of helplessness left me really shaken. Those conversations would leave any of us feeling depleted. But there's a voice whispering to me, there must be a way to convince his folks. To help us find it, I called in an expert. My name is Oscar Baez. Uh, I am a care resource coordinator with the Community Tracing Collaborative. And specifically, I chair the immigration working group that's helping to engage immigrant communities who have uh, and, and individuals who have tested positive with COVID-19. So, Oscar, you heard Harold's story. What do you make of it? So in addition to my professional background working, uh, you know, in the COVID-19 context with immigrant communities, like Harold, uh, I'm Dominican American as well. I was born in Santo Domingo and grew up um, in a Dominican American household. And so a lot of what he said uh, to me struck home on a personal level. We are members of what I call the 1.5 generation. We're kind of the bridge in between uh, two worlds. And, and oftentimes it's trying to navigate uh, how we are approaching COVID-19 um, and the new new normal that we're all living in uh, from kind of the U.S. perspective, while understanding that a lot of uh, where our parents are coming from is very much from what they know from back home. So how do you help folks like Harold's parents and your parents to bridge that gap? So the, the first thing is uh, when it comes to, you know, COVID-19, the first barrier, in addition to any kind of linguistic barriers that might exist in these communities, is just trying to build trust. In my personal experience, again, I've been on the phone with families who have been asked to quarantine and isolate because they tested positive for COVID-19. 
I have to then stay on the phone for the greater good, stay home. And that's that's a tall order. When it comes to within the, the one household specifically, uh, a lot of times it's it's about finding kind of shared values between two, two perspectives. So oftentimes we've seen uh, a lot of myth-busting campaigns trying to get people to adhere to social distancing measures and realizing it's, you know, it's solidarity. It's protect yourself to protect everyone else. So uh, a lot of times it's just finding them, you know, in the middle. We've often heard of the statistics in very much an American context. Uh, so you're in the news, so uh, where the, the number of deaths nationally has surpassed the number of deaths, um, you know, in Vietnam for Americans. That that doesn't strike the same chord for, for our own families. So it's about placing all of that in in that other national context. So instead of the Vietnam example, maybe it's, you know, right now we're asking all of society to, you know, protect the older generation. And so the example of if you've already, uh, you know, been through something serious in the Dominican Republic, you know, La Era de Trujillo, then social distancing, staying six feet apart is not is something that should be a piece of cake putting it in a different national context, even though uh, obviously it's not, we're not in the DR anymore. Right, right. But in Harold's particular case, he has a grandchild that they want to spend time with. And it seemed that it wasn't compelling enough of a reason for them to take precautions. How can you use information or how can you use persuasive tools to make the case that this is really important and, you know, I need you to do this, not even for the greater good, for the sake of your grandchild. And, and that's exactly the point. So I think we do have to stress, you know, the gravity of, of what this is. If you've been immediately and directly impacted, it's easy to immediately sense the, the gravity of it, less so when it's just, you know, statistics and numbers. So I think it, it really is about, you know, trying to connect. Um, Oftentimes in the case of Harold and, and very much so in, in our families uh, where, you know, there is, you know, a sense of traditional roles within a household. It's very much about, you know, respecting our elders. And that is critical. La familia is everything. But, you know, within that same context, in order to find that shared value, to make sure that it's not just about uh, finding that trade off. You're not going to see uh, your, your grandchild up close and hug and kiss them all the time, but it's because it's for, for, in order to see them in the long term. And oftentimes it's about bringing those, those actual examples of people that have been affected. And it's not about, you know, just listing the guidelines and translating them verbatim. It's about saying, I know of a family, you know, immigrant families with newborns who maybe were undocumented, uninsured, unemployed, didn't have any financial assistance to get through even quarantine. And, you know, we're, overwhelmed and still had to adhere to obviously isolation and quarantine. So compared to that situation, then, you know, having a Zoom call with your with your grandson, it doesn't seem like so much um, if they haven't experienced right. that, you know, firsthand. So actually, I, I want to ask you about what are some of the experiences specifically among immigrants and, and Latinos that you've come across in your work that you think were either facilitated by or made worse by some of our cultural norms and cultural practices? In our work, we've had to very proactively look at myth busting. So again, you know, mm. fake news and um, what, what the WHO has actually called an infodemic. 
uh, being mm-hmm. just as harmful as the pandemic itself. So again, um, we take it kind of a, a, as a joke that, you know, the, the cure for everything is, you know, Vicks Vapor Rub Evaporu is going to just solve everything. <laughs> Eso no es el caso, unfortunately. Um, so having a little bit of science um, to, to let them know that this is unprecedented and we have to follow uh, the science because we don't have a cure. Um, and again, I think to, to Harold's uh, you know, challenge, oftentimes we need to enlist the support you know, of, our, of our broader family. So if Harold is finding himself in a situation where he does not want to disrespect his father, um, by insisting on adhering to these measures, maybe enlist, you know, the, the support del tío or another, another, um, you know, tío abuelo, somebody that can also, maybe they're like-minded. I know one of the most effective social media campaigns early on in this pandemic in Italy was this grandma that went viral because she, you know, used in, in all of her jargon um, the explanation for why it's important to, you know, um, not just shake hands, but do air kisses, do a wink. Why did it go viral? Because it was still following uh, the tips from grandma. So that's actually a perfect segue because I wanted to ask you, you know, each of us in our families plays a different role. So I'm forever the big sister, right? And that that gives me certain authority in certain things. So how can we, within immigrant, black and brown, Latino families, everybody? how can everybody utilize their particular role in the family to further the agenda of safety, of taking precautions, and of, you know, better taking, better, better taking care of ourselves in this situation? It's so complex, right? It's multi-generational, intercultural mm-hmm. uh, families. Um, oftentimes, we do need to divide and conquer. Um, and mm-hmm. when having these really tough conversations, specifically within the sibling group, if, if there, you have the luxury of having several adult uh, children within a family, mm-hmm. it might be assigning who's a peacemaker, Who's the one that has, you know, you know, who is daddy's girl in this case? If, if, if mm-hmm. Harold has a sister, can she be the one to broach um, and ask uh, for, for this kind of a cooperation um, as opposed mm-hmm. to it, you know, falling to the role of, you know, just, for example, the sibling that happens to be physically close. And that's the last that's the point I really want to make. Um, what I'm seeing across the board, and I think we all of us who are tracking COVID-19, um, even informally, but absolutely at a, in, in a professional in a professional way, we see mm-hmm. that this pandemic does not, you know, discriminate in terms of who it can uh, can be uh, impacted by, can test positive, but it disproportionately mm-hmm. impacts people of color and immigrant communities. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's the toughest moment, and we rely um, on everyone's cooperation and oftentimes the children to step up and you know meet this challenge because unfortunately, oftentimes in our system, um, the most essential are are the most expendable. So uh, it, it really is important for us to continue to highlight for our families, as difficult as these conversations are, um, that it's, it's nuestra gente, they're the ones that are suffering the most and it's on us to get through this. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you taking the time. Um, this is like public service that you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. All right, let's recap what we learned from Oscar. Put things in their context. Point to examples of difficult situations your parents endured. 
hurricanes, civil wars, famine, fleeing their country, religious persecution. Even though COVID-19 is nothing like anything we've experienced before, looking back on their own hardships might help them envision a way forward. Highlight their values. Appeal to their sense of family, community, solidarity. Doing that will get you further in convincing them to modify their behavior. Anchor your message on people. Instead of pointing to statistics and case numbers, focus on how their behavior can impact real people in their family and their neighborhood. Summon the elders. Ask an uncle or an aunt or another like-minded adult from their generation to broach the subject with them. It's possible your parents don't want to feel lectured by their kid. Divide and conquer. Leverage your family dynamics. Call in the peacemaker, daddy's little girl, the favorite nephew, anyone who is more likely to influence them one-on-one. And remember, keep at it. As difficult as this conversation can be, you are one of the most reliable and trustworthy messengers your parents have. Keep at it. Thank you so much for listening. De verdad, de corazón, from my heart. How to Talk to Mommy and Papi About Anything is an original production of La Antigua Williams & Co. Virginia Lora produced this episode. Kojin Tashiro mixed it. Micaela Rodriguez is our founding producer and social media editor. Cedric Wilson is our lead producer. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at Talk to Mommy Papi. Please remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Bye, everybody. Same place next week. <laughs>